You are listening to Hydro Talks, a podcast from the global aluminium producer Hydro, setting out to explore the modern dilemmas for industry and society. Welcome to Hydro Talks. This is uh, Craig Johnson from Hydro, and I am your host today as we talk about social responsibility. Uh, the challenges, dilemmas, and expectations uh, for a global aluminium and energy company. With us today is Nina Schefte, who is head of social responsibility in Hydro, and uh, Beata Ekelov Slidal, political advisor in Amnesty International Norway. Welcome to you both. Beata, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a political advisor working in Amnesty, and I've been in Amnesty for actually 20 years. And for just as long, uh, Amnesty uh, have a human rights uh, agreement, cooperation agreement with Hydro. And I've had the pleasure for all those years to be the one to implement that agreement. So I've had a lot of meetings with uh, employees in different branches and from different countries within the Hydro organization. Nina, tell us about what you do in Hydro. Well, I'm head of uh, social responsibility. We are part of the sustainability uh, group in Hydro. And um, uh, how we define social responsibility in Hydro is the management of social risks and opportunities in local communities and among our business partners. So that means that we are uh, working on uh, and ensuring that uh, Hydro is working aligned with international standards when it comes to how we are impacting people throughout our operations. Beat, you have been at this for, for some time. Is, is it a case of uh, uh, things are getting better, but we still have a long way to go? Or how do you look at the big picture uh, with your experience in Amnesty? Well, if we, when we say the big picture, we, we think in particular on the work or the development within the, within the area of business and human rights. I would say that even if I um, might be uh, still quite impatient, um, I usually tell myself to take a step backward and, 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 and remind myself of where do we actually come from since I've been working on this topic for you know, more or less a lifetime. There's no doubt that there's been a, a tremendous progress and development um, uh, in this area, in particular when it comes to the increased knowledge and, and responsiveness and also acknowledge uh, um, among corporate actors on the responsibility they do have to respect human rights and, and um, you know, protect the environment and, and other, you know, um, being cautious of other kind of areas where they might have an adverse impact. Uh, there's been a tremendous development. There's no doubt about that. Even if there's still a way to go, we have come quite far. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about is that, you know, that maybe the definitions and expectations about social responsibility and now what we call ESG, environment, social and governance. What do you think are, uh, the, you've talked about risks and expectations when a company like Hydro is operating in countries like Brazil. What do you think the main actions or expectations uh, companies like Hydro need to meet in places like this? Well, I think the main expectations uh, we need to fulfill is uh, that we follow international standards and uh, frameworks. Um, and when we talk about our social responsibility, the main frameworks are UN guiding principles and the OECD guidelines 
that outlines how we should um, um, do due diligences and follow up and map the risks in our supply chain or in our operations and in the communities where we are present. Uh, and we need to follow those um, those guidelines and, and also to, to show that we are actually implementing actions to mitigate where we have potential uh, negative impact on people's lives. Uh, Beato, most companies say that they have policies and standards and so on. Is that enough or, or how, does, how does a company really demonstrate a level of credibility uh, as we face you know, skepticism from people at home and abroad? I think that's, I mean, for good reasons, uh, not only NGOs like Amnesty and other NGOs, but also, you know, uh, local stakeholders and others have very good reasons uh, to be skeptic towards, uh, you know, companies who, who, you know, just proclaim that we do have a policy in place and we, uh, we, uh, we support international standards and, you know, uh, um, which is the easiest thing to do. I mean, just to say that you have a policy and to have a policy on your homepage, uh, the, the, you know, you have to prove in practice that your policy is not just something nice on a paper or a document or a homepage, but that your policy is something that you actually really try hard to implement in practice policies. Um, and that's when you have to show what you actually do uh, on the ground. And it's quite challenging uh, because one thing is to, to, to sit in your office in Oslo and, and, and elaborate and discuss good policies, but then to make your good standards become real politics is where you have to do your hard work. Because one reason why a lot of NGOs and, and, and other stakeholders might, you know, have question marks when it comes to how you know a number of companies are actually doing things is that they're too little transparent about the, the practices. So we always stress uh, be as transparent as possible, not only about your policies, but also about the challenges that you have identified and how you consider to cope with those challenges. In other words, you know, we had this wording for many years that says uh, to talk the walk. But it's really no, it's all about uh, to walk the talk, show in practice what you're actually doing and what you mean with your standards. Brazil, uh, that's probably one of the best cases for Hydro. Uh, for our listeners, uh, in 2018, there was a there was an extreme rainfall at uh, our area near uh, Barcarena in, uh, in Brazil. And uh, there have been a lot of uh, fears and accusations amongst the local people and authorities that that led to some uh, pollution for the people living in the local communities. Nina, how do you uh, address what uh, Beata just mentioned now and how do you think that we have done on the ground in Brazil in this case? Well, I think um, it's, it's, it's as just as I said, it's a very interesting case and it's it's sometimes a little bit difficult to to explain the, the process there because it's quite complex. It has a long history of conflict. It's very small communities with with a, uh, a lot of their uh, rights is not uh, in place. For instance, the access to clean water or education or work. Uh, there's a high uh, rate of crime and violence. So it's, it's a very sort of 
challenging and complex area to be in. And, um, uh, and that takes some time to understand how that impacts uh, uh, a whole society and, and also how it impacts a business like us having the uh, or running the alumina refinery uh, Alunota in, in Bacarena. Um, and, and the good thing is, of course, that we can contribute with uh, decent work for, for our uh, employees and also the suppliers to, to our own operations in the area. But the thing is that um, when you have this kind of complex and challenging and vulnerable uh, communities around you, there's uh, room for uh, Great differences between the people, and also merge, or it could be potentially be be, be conflicts. And I think when we had the rainfall in 2018, um, a lot of the people living around in uh, in the communities they didn't know hydro that well. They didn't know actually what we were doing in the, in our plant, and they were afraid that we could uh, harm them uh, and and that they could uh, that we could have a negative impact on their environment and local communities. So so I think. Uh, the level of trust between hydro and the local communities were quite low. We hadn't really, we did, we had some community and and stakeholder dialogue with the with the locals, but we didn't really, um, we did hadn't managed to build uh, an awareness and and an understanding of, of how we run our business. So when we had the rainfall, there was a lot of people. Uh, that were um, afraid that we had polluted their water and uh, and uh, it was uh, the trust was very low so so it has been a long process afterwards and we have really put a lot of effort to to really build this trust up and and for instance last year we had more than 700 stakeholder dialogue meetings with uh, with local uh, people uh, and organizations and um, and I think that one of the things that we see and it's the most important thing that we can contribute with is to build trust uh, between the uh, different groups of people living in the communities, between the municipality uh, and the local uh, government and between different organizations to really build trust and to really see that this, not, this is not something that can be solved by one single company. We need to work together with all many different uh, stakeholders locally to really build up a more stable and, and safe uh, communities. The most important thing that we have learned is that we can't succeed as a company if not uh, local communities and our partners also succeed. And, and I think uh, accomplish that we need to have trust between the different uh, stakeholders we are involved with. And, uh, um, and, the, and the best way to, to succeed with that is to continue to, to have continuous dialogue uh, and to understand. So we understand the needs uh, in the local communities where we are present and they also understand how we run our business and that they can trust us and that it's not that we are we are running a business in compliance with the international standards and we are always trying to to improve our operations so it's um so i think it's um uh, and also it's of course to to build trust they need to have their rights fulfilled so we so they will have access to to clean water and, and access to better education and and a more safe society to to live in and but we have then we have to work with other partners as well to succeed in those uh, processes Beata, how do you look at how hydro is is dealing with the uh, challenges of of operating in brazil what's your analysis of that well i um i think that um as Hydro has, in a, in, a, in a sense, concluded themselves, 
Um, there has been some tough lessons learned. Uh, um, and of course, um, they have, I mean, yeah, Hydra has identified uh, a couple of important steps that should have been taken uh, at quite earlier stage, uh, which is more or less all about uh, um, identifying the right stakeholders uh, and, and not at least to establish the so very important uh, trustworthy stakeholder dialogue mm -hmm. that might have, we don't know for sure, but that might probably have made it a little bit easier for Hydro uh, um, to to communicate and and to to have the necessary trust in the local community um, after the incident in 2018 in in Barcarena. But another point is that uh, I mean um, when you do mistakes or when you or when you know that there are things you could have done better and 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 you stand in the middle of challenges. I think one of the more some kind of what you call it lachmus tests is how do you deal with it? How do you try to handle the fact that you're not standing in the middle of a storm? Um, and in that sense, I, I would like to credit Hydro. I think that the way you have really tried to to handle the situation uh, when it when it ended up to be very very problematic and very challenging is uh, um, is in a sense a very good role model for other companies. I think you have uh, um, uh, vested a lot of resources and energy into really trying to be uh, an accountable business actor in Barcarena. Uh, um, and of course, you have a journey now to, to try to, what should we say, um, to rebuild or at least to build a new trust. Sometimes, no matter how much and how good you do things, is very difficult to try in a way to break the wall, to manage to, you know, communicate this in a, in a good way uh, in the media, in the public, uh, uh, um, to have uh, those you would like to listen, to actually listen to what you're saying and to see what you're doing. And I do hope that you will, you know, even if it feels uh, uh, unfair, if you can use that kind of word, uh, I think it's vitally important that Hydro hold on to your true values, hold on to your standards and, and continue to do what you believe is the right thing to do as long as it is actually the right thing to do, independent of the criticism that will continue to come, independent of to which extent you feel that is really unfair, that uh, it's so hard to, to change the, the perception of you as a company in Brazil, hold on, hold on to your, hold on to your standards, uh, uh, because uh, it's always the right thing to do, the right thing, and in the end, uh, that will be, uh, uh, you know, um, something that you will uh, gain uh, positively from. We've been listening to Nina Schefte, Head of Social Responsibility in Hydro, and Beata Ekelov Slidal, Political Advisor in Amnesty International Norway. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Hydro Talks. Make sure to subscribe. If you have any feedback or comments, get in touch at 
podcast at hydro.com.